0: SEP Fanfic Readings presents "What the Room Requires" by Lydia Reckham. Chapter Twenty Two, Hermione. I stood atop the astronomy tower alone, my arms wrapped around myself as I gazed across the mountains. Evening had fallen; the castle was silent. It was the night after Professor Dumbledore's funeral. A discontented wind ruffled my hair. I took a deep breath. It smelled so like spring. And yet, wintry death had struck just a little while ago, right here, right where I stood. Draco had been up in this tower, standing on this very floor. He had Dumbledore at one point until the Death Eaters could come, and Snape could kill the Headmaster. I stood quietly, replaying everything Harry had told us after it happened, and replaying everything Dumbledore had told Draco the day we had come out of the room. That the plan still had to go forward that Dumbledore still had to die, but that Draco would be spared the fate of becoming a murderer. Now that I had heard what had actually happened, I realized their loophole. Snape, who had made the unbreakable vow, would do it instead. Dumbledore had died of his own volition, to save Draco's soul and to save Snape's life. But I could not say any of that to Harry or Ron, no matter how Harry ranted in heartbroken rage about how Draco was a vile coward and Snape was a turncoat viper and how he wished them all dead. I couldn't speak. I could only sit on the common room couch and put my arm around Harry and weep with him, and wonder how I was going to bear everything now. Draco was gone. He'd left with the Death Eaters after that raid. Harry had seen him. I had no idea where he would go. Perhaps he would return home and stay with his parents. Or perhaps when the school was inevitably taken down over by darker authorities, he would come back. But I wouldn't be here even if he did. I lifted my eyes to the darkened sky, and at the edge of the mountains, which looked like jagged black giants in the distance, the white moon rose. I saw just the edge of it. I shivered, gazing at its silvery brilliance, and wrapped my arms tighter. A song came to my mind, one I didn't remember memorizing, but I knew every word. Once the sun did shine, I whispered. Lord, it felt so fine. The moon a phantom rose through the mountains and the pines. and Then the darkness fell, the moon's a harsh mistress. It's hard to love her well. Harry was going after the remaining horcruxes, wherever on earth they might be. At first, he tried to tell Ron and me that he would be going alone, and he would send us word when he could. Of course, we assured him that he was barking, and that we were going along with him regardless of what he had said or did or thought. He didn't fight us too hard. I knew how he was dreaded being alone, and he was trying to convince us that he would go on without us to keep us safe was only a testament to how deeply he loved us, and I wasn't about to abandon someone who loved me. I was incapable of it. So was Ron. I studied the shadows of the moon, the mountains and craters and bright white plains, and leaned my hands on the cooling rail. The nights were about to get deep and dark, and the days would soon grow harsh and bitter. I tried to imprint this image into my mind the sight of the great, sturdy tower beneath me, and sparkling lake, the ancient, unmoving mountains, my home, the dearest place to my heart next to my own house and family. I resolved to solve this picture, right here, to pull up in my mind whenever I was lying out in the wilderness, unable to sleep, chasing after pieces of that demon soul, hoping just to survive from one day to the next until the task was done. I fell out of her eyes. I fell out of her heart. I fell down on my face. I tripped and missed my start. I fell, and I fell alone. And the moon's a harsh mistress, and the sky is made of stone. Many dark and difficult days later. That sword is meant to be in my vault at Gringotts. How did you get it? I whimpered in response, agony dancing up and down my shaking left arm. Bellatrix Lestrange sat on top of me, her rotten teeth gnashing in my face, Her ragged hair brushing my forehead, her bony hands clenching my wrists. I, I don't, I shook my head, trying to speak through my uncontrolled sobbing. How did you and your friends, she hissed, and her voice built to a roar. Take that from my vault! I didn't take anything, I keened. Please, I didn't take anything. Bellatrix hissed something at me. I couldn't understand her, but then I couldn't even think. She crushed my head to the floor with her palm, twisting my neck then bent over my left arm and carved into it again with a needle-pointed knife. I screamed and screamed and screamed. Tears poured down my face and I kicked and thrashed. Bellatrix held me down like an iron weight. Harry and Ron were imprisoned below. Lucius and Narcissa Malfoy stood away off, saying nothing. And Draco stood behind me, near the fireplace, silent. My screaming nearly blinded me. I almost lost consciousness and it took every shred of will I had ever possessed, every fiber of bravery, everything inside of me, to keep from wailing his name. I had seen him when they hauled us into this dusky place called Malfoy Manor. Our eyes had met, and my heart had nearly leapt out of my chest, but he had looked so white. The sight of us there, surrounded by death eaters and snatchers, clearly horrified him. And of course, he could not act as if we even really knew each other. They had forced Harry to his knees on the hard floor of the once grand hall as Ron and I stood at each other's end, bound up by snatchers and death eaters. Bellatrix had tried to make Draco to identify Harry, for Harry's face had been misshapen by my stinging spell. Draco had recognized him instantly. I could see it in the way his back stiffened. "'Well?' Bellatrix cried, taking fistfuls of Harry's hair and pointing her wand at his throat. Draco shook his head. "'I can't be sure.' Draco, Lucius, unshaven and must, a far fall from his usual grand self, had come up behind his son and grasped him in an almost stranglehold at the back of his neck. I had twitched against that filthy back, my captor, biting back a shout at Lucius to get his hands off him. Look closely, son, Lucius had urged at Draco's ear. Then Lucius glanced back at us, at the Snatchers and the other Death Eaters. I had glared viciously at him. Lucius turned back to Draco. If we are the ones to hand Potter over to the Dark Lord, Lucius pleaded, everything will be forgiven. It will all be as it was. You will understand. No, you don't understand, Lucius, I wanted to shout. The last thing Draco wants is for us to return to the way it was. That had been confirmed when, though they drove Draco to his knees in front of Harry and he looked straight at him in the eyes, he had repeated, I can't be sure. This had sent Bellatrix into a rage, and everything had unraveled from there. I could feel Draco's helplessness building as they threw Harry and Ron in the basement and kept me above. His desperation filled the air, filled my lungs with every breath I took. I had tried not to look at him, tried to help him restrain himself, for his father and mother and so many dangerous people surrounded him that if he tried to help me, they would report back to Voldemort, and he would surely be killed. By now, Bellatrix had bent my neck and forced my face toward him. I could see his shoes, glimpse the rest of his tall form through the haze of my tears. He was frozen, watching me. My agony built. It mounted to the ceiling. It was going to tear me in half. I couldn't stand it. No more. No more. I opened my mouth, gagged, and choked on his name. Bellatrix got off me. The knife pulled out of my flesh. I stopped breathing and choked again. My head lolled to my left. I blinked. The word mudblood was written in my arm. Mud blood. I blinked, tears rolled down my nose. Bellatrix barked something to the others about a goblin, asking him questions now. I watched blankly as blood oozed from the letter-shaped wounds. My whole body quivered. I lay still, listening to the echo of my breathing, as Bellatrix interrogated a goblin from Gringotts. My whole head felt full of fog, like the gray fog that had rested on the barley, giving us bad dreams. Draco didn't step toward me. He didn't say anything. Bellatrix, furious at the goblin's stubborn answers, turned back toward me. I braced myself. And then Ron and Harry came to save me. Everything happened so fast. Spells flew, stones shattered. Bellatrix wrenched me to my feet and held that knife to my throat. Ron and Harry had to drop their wands. Draco picked them up. And then Dobby, that lovely little house elf, dropped the chandelier right down on our heads. Bellatrix screamed and threw herself out of the way. Ron grabbed me, Harry snatched all the wands out of Draco's hands. Dobby took hold of all of us, including Luna, Ollivander, and the Gringotts goblin, and apparated us away. But not before Bellatrix threw that wicked knife, which plunged straight through Dobby's gut. All of it, and then all the horror that followed, seemed to pass in a haze. I felt like I was watching it from outside myself. The sound of shovels in the sand as Harry and Ron buried Dobby on the beach echoed in my head. But I stared without seeing, cold tears running down my cheeks, my bloody palm pressed down on my sticky left forearm. I was so, so glad that Draco was still safe and the Death Eaters did not know about him. And at the same time, I was heartbroken that he hadn't tried to save me. Draco. I sat in the room of acquirement. It had taken the form of a gray stone chamber when I entered, with arched Gothic ceilings. The room was empty except for a fireplace that burned low and a single black armchair. I sat in the chair and stared into the dim flames. I sat, seeing nothing. And she screamed in my head. If I closed my eyes, she got louder. And if I opened them, I could see her, held to the floor by my aunt, who cut into her arm like she was a piece of wood. And I had done nothing. I had said anything. I hadn't moved. I hadn't distracted my aunt or given Hermione any tools to escape. I had stood there, paralyzed by my cover, and watched. I watched. I squeezed my eyes shut and clenched my hand into a fist, pressing it to my lips. I had recited a mantra during those horrific minutes, emptying myself, then filling my mind again with a lie, a single lie. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. But oculancy doesn't shield a person from feeling the truth. The truth that I wanted to tear my aunt's head off. That I wanted to pick Hermione up off the floor and shield her from everything my family could put her through. That I wanted to take hold of Dobby's hand as well and vanish from that hellhole with Potter and Weasley and Ollivander and the Gringotts Goblin. But I couldn't. So I stood silent and sick while Bellatrix cackled about how she'd just killed the little house-elf. Our little house-elf and my father and mother grieved sorely that Potter had escaped, and the Death Eaters and Snatchers began to bicker about whose fault it was. Since that happened, I hadn't slept for more than a half hour at a time. I'd wandered the grounds around my house countless times as a cold wind blew. My coat collar turned up, my head low. The clouds had hung over my head, and the corridors inside felt chill. My mother and father fought viciously when they were alone, and when they weren't, it was Bellatrix and Greyback and others lounging around, eating our food, leaving messes and ordering me about. So I'd left. I told my parents I needed to discuss something with my mentor. They assumed that I was leaving to see Professor Snape, and had allowed me to go. And I'd gone back to Hogwarts, not to see Snape, but to find the room of requirement. i had wanted to walk through the barley fields, to stand with my face in the warm sun, to hear laughter dancing on the wind, to run my hands over the tops of the stalks, to sing a song as loud as I could, to forget everything, everything, but then I left the dismal corridors of a school that felt like a stranger and stepped through the doors of this old room. I had found nothing, nothing but a large emptiness, a chair, and a fireplace that gave no heat. It was gone, all of it, and as I sat, guilt filled my bloodstream like venom. A click came from behind me, the sound of a door. Quietly opening. I sucked in a breath, braced myself. Then I recognized the footsteps. They resounded softly against the stones. I swallowed, sat back, and stared into the flames. Professor Snape came up and stood next to the left side of my chair, facing the fireplace. I could see his tall, black form out of the corner of my eye. For a long while, neither of us said anything. How did you know I was here? I murmured. Being headmaster has its benefits he intoned. My throat thickened, and I covered my mouth with my hand, narrowing my eyes to keep back tears. I had been able to hide all my emotions from my father, my aunt, all the Death Eaters, even my mother. But it was impossible Snape. He knew too much. I... I didn't. I dropped my hand, my lip trembling. I rubbed the armrest with my thumb. Aunt Belletrix was cutting her up, and I didn't. Didn't what? Snape growled do something reckless that would have gotten her killed I gasped and twin tears fell down my cheeks he swallowed hard i wouldn't have you would have he insisted you were surrounded by murderers and brigands who would kill her as soon as look at her especially bellatrix she is like a bottle of nitroglycerin tipping on the edge of a table if you had started something it would have only ended in blood snape took a breath his voice quieting as it was You did not betray that you knew Potter. Hence, you gave the house-elf time to find him and provided an opportunity for Potter to rescue Ollivander and the others. You saved them all by keeping a cool head. Rash actions would have cost us everything. But Hermione, I choked. People heal, my professor snapped. They do not resurrect. I fell silent, swallowing convulsively, and closed my eyes. More tears tumbled down. Weary, aching tears. Weakly, I eased my head to the side and leaned it against Snape's arm. For a moment, he just stood there. And then he brought his left hand around and rested it on top of my head. His palm was heavy and warm there. And some kind of warmth entered me, calmed me, as if I was a child comforted by his father after a nightmare. You are a good boy, Draco, Snape murmured overhead. It will just be a bit longer. I didn't reply. I didn't have to. Snape understood me, and the fact that there were now two people in this world who would follow me into this room of requirement eased the gripping pain in my heart and gave me just a shred of strength to hold on. Just a bit longer.